Hey guys, what's up? Trey back here at Trey Wolf, and welcome back to another episode of the True Blue Show. We are doing a post pod here today for Chelsea 2, Leicester City 1. Um, and also kind of looking back um a little bit on a few past games, more on just like how the squad has been doing because um uh, we won today, but it wasn't a great win. But it was an impressive win by the boys because we did go down to 10 men due to a Connor Gallagher red card accumulated in about the 30th minute. So we will get into that. But uh, we definitely want to congratulate the boys on being able to pull out a win. It's uh, a lot of games where you face tough chances and you've um, faced bad refs, VAR gets in your way. But a red card going down to 10 men, that's always one of the hardest ones to pull something out of the bag. And definitely... Definitely showed a lot of grit, and I'm glad that we can have a post spot today where we're talking about a win rather than another thing going wrong for Chelsea. But it's not all sunshine's rainbows. We definitely have some things to talk about where we're a little more concerned, probably about things that we're pleased. But uh, let me bring on my guest today. I have got Reinhard and Jude with me. Reinhard, how you doing, bud? How you feeling? You know, after a win, it's, uh, it's hard to not feel good. So, you know, all things considered, I think uh, we can be proud of yesterday's performance going down to 10 men. But yeah, you know, in general, I'm feeling good. Excited to get down to this post pod. Good to hear. Good to hear. Jude, how you doing, bud? Yeah, I'm good. Thank you. Uh, cheers. Uh, good to be back on. Um, obviously, getting the three points on Saturday was very important after not the best of starts. But yeah, happy to be back and talk Chelsea. Well, I'm happy to have you all both on back, so let's get right into it. So we normally start out these episodes with a little blues in the news when some stuff has gone on. Since then, I don't remember if I've seen a Fabrizio here we go, but it seems like, and I I think I might have, but it seems like Fofana to Chelsea is uh, basically done. Is that correct? There was a here we go this morning. There yeah. was? Okay. I woke up this morning and it was drowsy and then watch some of the f1 qualifying or not the qualifying race the uh, just the f1 actual race so i hadn't seen many things on twitter but yeah it looks like fufana's coming in uh and obviously we knew he was not going to play the leicester city game that was definitely a well-predicted tactical move by many that leicester would not settle a deal until he was would not be able to play against them and recently we saw emerson also revive his deal to west ham and he actually played for them today i believe um so yeah he played for a West Ham win, so Emerson is gone on a permanent. I think it was around 13 mil with a couple bonuses, maybe to go into 15 mil, which is it's not a bad price. That's not a bad uh, price considering how long we've kept Emerson and everything that we've uh, been able to accomplish with him. So that's a fairly good return, I think. Um, in other poor news, I think it looks like Ampadu, is, his deal to Spezia is gaining more traction again. Um, I don't know if it's a permanent or a loan, but I think it's for a permanent. No fee rumored, but seems like such a poor. I mean, if any Spezia fans are listening to this, I'm sorry for insulting, but Ampadu is a good player. I would have not expected him to go to a club like Spezia, who is not any kind of club that challenges for anything in Italy. So I'm really shocked that if he's leaving Chelsea, he's not going to another Premier League club or um that maybe by their like their decision, but I'm surprised he's not going to a more higher up club in Germany or, or Italy. I mean, that kind of just shocks me. Don't y'all think he's maybe a little bit more worthy of a, not a champion champions league club, maybe, but maybe a Europa league, Europa conference league club. Yeah, I would say so. I think he's very underrated, but of course he hasn't 
he hasn't been show he hasn't had the opportunity to showcase what he can do on the big stage yet. But um, I think if he ha was given the opportunity to, a lot of clubs would be in for him. And if I remember correctly, I might be wrong. I think Fabrizio Romano said it's a loan or the option to buy. So I don't think it's a permanent. But yeah, you know, I'm I'm just, I think he should go and get some minutes. Spezia is probably not the ideal club. I thought Susuolo would have been a bit of a better move for him since Susuolo is up there in the uh, Italian division, but um, or in Syria. But um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I just hope he has a good loan impresses a bit more and shows people what he can do because I, I really rate him. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, I think a lot of ex-Chelsea players have done quite well over in Italy after leaving, well, most recently Giroud and Tamori and Tammy. But yeah, I, I, hopefully if it is alone, he smashes it and comes back because I actually wanted him in the squad this year, but it doesn't look like that's going to happen. But if, if he doesn't, then good luck to him. We'll get a good fee for him and yeah, wish him the best. Yeah, I if he goes out on loan, I, I struggle to see him coming back, unfortunately. Maybe if he makes it big and makes another transfer move or um and then we can eventually see him come back, but I'm sadly feeling a little more like it's the end of the road for Ampadu, which really sucks. I really feel like he could have done something this season. So I'm very disappointed he hasn't gotten much more of a look, especially considering that our um midfield's been a lot more uh weakened as of late. But uh I think that's it for Blues in the News for right now. So uh, we have... Uh... Actually, one thing to mention in terms of news yeah. is we just got the here we go for Anthony. So, I mean, that could sanction a move for ZH to Ajax. It's been rumored, you know, so... That is a good point. Yeah. So with Anthony moving to Manchester United, um, it is probable that I think ZH was going to go back to Ajax because I think that's the only thing that would make sense honestly um i haven't heard anything more concrete wise about uh callum going to buyer leverkusen have y'all heard anything more about that no nothing well if, yeah uh... no, i haven't heard anything either okay so it looks like callum might be staying for now which i'm okay with considering that we've already started depleting ourselves of our offensive uh weapons we're obviously team is gone zh is probably going to be gone um I don't think it's a great idea to leave us too short of people, um, especially if some take on some injuries, because we know we do have some injury-prone people like Christian, um, and Callum is injury-prone himself. But so let's think about this. We And we have to expect anything that happens. Oh, I don't know this, so I'm not super well-versed in this. Our transfer window closes in three days' time on the 31st. Um, well, I mean, well, it will be closed on the first. The thirty first is the last day. Can other leagues in Europe still sign players from our club after that date, or is it closed for everyone across Europe? I mean, if it, other it team, oh, yeah, sorry, go Jude. Oh yeah, no, I think it depends what it's league by league where it is, but I think most of the well, big leagues are similar the same day. I'm pretty sure. Correct me if I'm wrong, but. Yeah, I think so as well. I think if there is another league that uh, has a transfer window that's like extended, they can sign players, but from us as well. I think uh, didn't that happen with Victor Moses to the Russian league? But um, yeah, we obviously just can't bring anyone in. So that means we'll just assume for the sake of this episode that that means by Thursday, 
we will know for sure if Callum and ZH are staying or for getting anybody else in. And as of right now, there's a couple of rumors of Zaha. There's, uh, I, I think Frankie De Jong is basically done and dusted. I don't think there's going to be anything happening for that. Um, there's some very loose Rafael Leal rumors, but I really can't see that happening in a matter of a couple of days. That's too big of a signing. Something like that would have had to already have been going on for a while. Maybe it has been the shadows, but he's already started for, uh, for Milan. And he's been doing all right this season so far, I think. I think he helped them win um, yesterday, maybe. So I don't see how... I see why it can make sense for us. I don't see why it would make sense for Milan to let him go unless we just pay, we actually gave them like a hundred mil or more, right? Like, do y'all think they would even think about sanctioning that kind of thing with only a few days left? No, I think it'll be very hard to do. The only thing that I've heard that gives me a not hope, I guess, but puts reason behind the fact that we could be signing him is he um he owes money to uh Sporting for. Uh, terminating his contract and going to Lille and we've apparently offered to pay the fee in its entirety so that could be a factor but yeah I can't really see us paying that much in three days and you know agreeing everything uh, to get him I would really like him I think he's very talented but I, I can't see it maybe next uh, maybe next summer him and Nkunku could be our main targets I guess I don't know Yeah I think I agree especially considering how much we've spent already and I think there's more essential positions we have to strengthen first as in the midfield but yeah if he came I'd be very happy for sure but um I can't see it and as far as I know um I think the Zaha I think is the most likely one to come in next if we get anybody right before the deadline would y'all agree with that Zaha or Aubameyang I guess I wonder if I wonder if Crystal Palace would uh say that they want somebody back. Like, don't you think that Callum could go to Crystal Palace on loan if we got Zaha? Did I mean I feel like we would, would yeah, we'd be strengthening them, but is, is Crystal Palace someone we really still worry about at this point? I mean, considering the loan player can't play against us, I think it could happen, but yeah, I don't know. I mean it happened with Gallagher last season, so maybe Something could work this year, but I guess we'll wait and see if anything if it does happen. Hmm. Be interesting to see. I'm sure we're going to get a lot more news coming in these last couple of days. Um, so, yeah, just uh, have notifications on for a couple of good, reliable people. Ornstein. Always love a lot of good Ornstein. Um, who is that other guy on Twitter? Is it David Dave Jacobs? Jacob? I think it's something with a Jacobs. Ben Jacobs. Ben Jacobs. Ben Jacobs, I, I trust fairly well. Um, Fabrizio normally trusts, but he's he's been a little weird these days. Um, but let's um let's now look at kind of what our squad looks like before we get into the game. I want to kind of talk about what the squad is looking like and what we really think we are worried about and um, still in position wise. So obviously at right wing back, or actually we'll start at keeper. So we have Mendy and Keppa, and this might be another conversation we have in the when the winter window comes around. But I think, are we all worried about Mendy right now? Because I'm a little worried about Mendy now. And I'm, but come t- come next summer, unless he's had a good season with us, I'm not opposed to bringing somebody else in. Yeah, I wouldn't say I'm worried yet. I think he's just going for a bit of a bad spell. But 
Yeah, um, it is a serious issue if it does continue. Um, because obviously we've all seen how good he can be when he's on his day, and especially in the first season, well, first half season under Tuchel, and up until really we went away with Afcon and um, was away with the national team. But yeah, no, he still has my trust, but um, it is a small concern. Yeah, I echo everything that Jude said. I think. Mendy is pretty comparable to De Gea at the moment, where you can rely on him to maybe save a shot, but when it comes to you know relying on his distribution and how good he is with the ball at his feet, it's it's pretty dire at the moment. Um, I've seen shouts for Kepa to start uh, over him. Now, I wouldn't say we're there. Uh, I would still trust Mendy. You know, Kepa is just, it's not his fault, obviously, but he's not the tallest. So I think a lot of teams, when he plays, look to exploit that and try and go for long shots and top, you know, the top bins shots. Um, if it were up to me, though, I would stick with Mendy at the moment, you know, maybe analyze the season and then reevaluate if you need to bring in someone to, you know, maybe uh, replace Mendy as our first choice and then Mendy goes back up or, you know, just someone to compete with Mendy because ideally Kepa would want to be gone by next summer. I mean, everyone thought it would be this summer, but looks like he's going to stick around. So, yeah, I don't know. Um, If it were down to me, I would look at Jan Sommer from uh, Mission Gladbach. He had an amazing game against Bayern Munich yesterday. 18 saves, I heard. Yeah. It's, it's insane. But another thing about him is he's also not tall. I think he's the same height as Kepa. Uh, apart from that, I really like Lafont uh, from what is is it N- Nantes uh, something Nantes. like um, yeah in in yeah. in the in Liga, nice. so yeah I don't know there's a few options out there we just need to evaluate the season see what happens and then we can uh, decide what what we're gonna do with the goalkeeper situation but I don't think it should be a priority for us at this moment. And if for some reason. Um, Hull City have a great year, and Nathan Baxter has a fantastic season. We could always easily bring him in to compete with um, Mendy, um, and especially if Kepa leaves. But um, it's yeah, that's not it's not an urgent thing right now because I do think Mendy can easily recover uh, if he just makes simple decisions. Because I still think he's a decent shot stopper. Now I think the Leicester City game today he had a poor uh poor I don't know if it was a clearance per se, but just a, a long pass. I believe it went straight to a Leicester player, went down, and then Harvey Barnes came straight down and just legged it right through him, didn't he? Yeah, he beat him on his near post, which is also not very good. Yeah, the, the whole play from Leicester started from Mendy kicking into midfield, and then uh, Havertz was next to the other player, and the other player got his stay through at first, and then the whole counter, I guess you could call it, started where Harvey Barnes just finished it at the end. Yeah, so stuff like that just just concerns me because it feels like the past couple of games, we've seen multiple goals where it's like Mendy afflicted, which is the main reason that um that I worry. But uh okay, let's switch to uh right wing back. So we got Reese, who's looking great. I think we've seen that Ruben... Sorry, actually before we go to right wing back, I think it's also uh good to mention uh, I don't know what Jude thinks about it, but where Mendy, you know, Leicester scored a goal early on, but it was disallowed because they said Mendy was crowded. I think that's mm-hmm. fair because Harvey Barnes was literally like leaning onto Mendy, but I also don't think that was very, you know, assertive of Mendy. He he should have done better there regardless. But yeah, I just think that's something to mention as well. No, and that's a good yeah. thing to bring up. I I do agree, yeah. So, 
moving on to the right wing back. So obviously we're pleased with Reese. Um, now let me ask this. Um, and I'd be, I think I know what y'all are going to say is, are y'all more pleased with Ruben than Asby now as the right wing back cover? Yeah, I definitely am. I think he should be the one ahead of Asby. I don't, I don't think Asby's awful there, but I would, um, I'll definitely trust Ruben more, especially if we need him. Obviously, Reese is number one, but um, I think every time he's been called upon to play in that position, he's always done a job there. And it's Ruben in it, we all love him. He's a good player, but um, yeah. Definitely. Yeah, I agree. I've been really impressed with Ruben. I think yesterday was not as much a right wing back role as more of like a right sided centre mid, but still you could you could classify that a normal like inverted right wing, I guess. But I think uh, yeah, he's he started the season off pretty strong, um, in my opinion. I really like Ruben. I like his qualities. He dribbles very well. Obviously, uses his body very well. But um. Yeah, for me, I would rather play Reese right centre back and Ruben right wing back than Reese right wing back and Aspie right centre back. If that makes any sense, uh, because I don't know, I just trust Reese in the back line more. But we brought in for Fana now, so I guess we won't see that uh, that often. It's just weird how we um renewed Aspie just for him to be like the off the bench player at the moment. Looks like, but yeah, I guess we'll see how everything pans out this season. So let me ask this: if uh if Reese I don't want to even speak into existence, but if we saw ourselves without Reese for a while, then would you be panicking? Um, yeah, because well, he's I think he's our best player, so obviously losing him would be a huge loss. But I think having I'd be confident Ruben could do a job there over a, a long period of time. But again, we haven't actually seen him in that position much yet, so obviously we needed more to be seen, but. Yeah, Yeah, I agree. I think, look, we suffered for quite a bit last season when both our wingbacks were injured. But I think a, a main reason for that was that Reese was sort of like the first line of defense for Aspilicueta. And this season, we wouldn't have Aspilicueta there. It would be Fofana. So I think with Reese, if he were to get injured, I would be more comfortable than I was last season. But ideally, obviously, would not want that because I think... Reese James is our most complete player. He's our main outlet at the moment in terms of assists. I'm not sure how many he has, but he's definitely got a goal. He's got two assists that I can think of at the moment. But um, yeah, he's just, he looks so good at the moment. He looks very, very fit, very comfortable in um, with his style of play. And yeah, long may it continue, honestly. I just, sky's the limit for this kid, man, honestly. So we'll say that we're pretty pleased with um, Reese's position right now. Now let's go over to the opposite side. Now we got uh, the left wing back, Cucurella, who we're all very pleased with, Chilwell, who we're very happy with. We did get rid of Emerson, but as far as I know right now, we still have Alonzo. And I don't know if Alonzo's seniority will factor into Tuchel pushing to give him some game time. I really don't think he's that type of player. So maybe Alonzo is just going to be like, sitting in the reserves, but um, do you think Alonso is able to leave by the end of the window? Do you think anybody takes him? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think I saw something today, I can't remember who reported it, but apparently Barcelona were given the green light to sign him or something, so I don't know if that means they can now register him and they'll go ahead, but I uh, I don't think we'll see Marcus in a Chelsea shirt again. Yeah, I also read today that apparently he verbally rejected um, Atletico Madrid saying that he promised uh, Barcelona. So 
I think if it were to come to the point at the end of the window and he hasn't moved to Barca yet, I think Atletico could be an option. I just think the whole Spanish league pretty much admires him for how well he's done in, in the Premier League. So I think there could be an option for him to go if Barcelona doesn't pan out. But yeah, I, I think he should go either way. I, I don't think there is a place for him at the, in the squad in the, at the moment with Cucurella and Chilwell both, you know, um, playing for that left wing back spot. No, that's true. So yeah, um, hopefully we can move on Alonso so we don't have that extra like spacing because God forbid we have like Chilwell and Alonso on a bench like throughout the year. I would hate that. Um, so now let's look at the center backs. So obviously at the middle. We've got Thiago Silva. Long may he reign. It looks like now at the right center back, we have Fofana and we're going to have Chalaba because Chalaba has now been solidified to stay at Chelsea per a news report. We did think that he was going to be going on alone. Um, there was a couple clubs rumored, but it does look like he is there to stay. And we also have Azpilicueta who specializes in that right center back role. He did come in today. Um, for Mason Mount, and he did an okay job. That he, well, he did okay for the most part, except for the goal because he just got baited bad. Um, maybe that was the right read or not, but um, yeah, uh, he got baited bad by Harvey Barnes. And it's also uh, worth mentioning um how quick he was to react when was it uh, Yosi Perez who hit the post, and then the ball was literally going towards two Leicester players who could tap it in, and then he headed it away. So I think you know he had a he had a good good moment in that, but also a bad moment with the goal. But yeah, just thought that was worth a mention. No, that's true. Yeah, he's got a couple of goods and bads in fairly most games now that we see him in, which is why I just don't see him as kind of a real starter anymore, unless it's kind of a cup game, maybe the Champions League. Um, I I could see him starting against Zagreb, maybe, um, or. God, I think I've forgotten who's the third. I know Dynamo Zagreb is one. Who is the other, the fourth team? Oh, AC Milan. AC Milan. Milan. But who's the other one? Is it Salzburg? Salzburg. Yeah. yeah seems like such an odd group. I know. Oh, we hadn't even talked about that. We didn't even talk about the draw. I totally forgot that <laughs> just happened. Um, we're we're all pretty pleased with the draw, right? I mean, it it seems. I don't want to count our chickens before they hatch, but I mean, us and Milan probably walking out of that group right you'd, you'd like to think so <laughs> but yeah I, I do think that's pretty much what's going to happen uh do you feel confidence then that we could top milan in that group um yeah i do um i think we are the better team obviously they've got Giroud and tamori now which would be uh good to see them come back but i think they will be the only ones who provide any sort of real danger out of the group. I think we have, I don't think we should underestimate the other two teams because they're good in their own rights and obviously when you should travel over to their stadiums you've got the big loud atmosphere and everything it's never going to be easy but I think yeah I think we're probably the favourites. Yeah I agree I think normally when you think of the Champions League it's either a group of death or a normal group is like two good teams and there's one like probably you'd say Europa League quality team and then one team that you normally see as okay yeah that's that's where we're going to get all our points but I think in our group right now both Salzburg and Dinamo Zagreb fall into that Europa League category so they don't really have a poor team per se like uh, do we have Sheriff last last season or was it season before someone like that that's what I mean no disrespect obviously but um, yeah I think so because Sheriff did um, they were like 
everyone looked at them like they'd be horrible. And then they had a crazy run a few games. Um, and I don't think they made it out of the group, but they made they did they make it out of the group? Did they get the a third place spot on points to get out? I'm not sure. I can't remember. All I remember is they did fairly well, but they ended up in I think they ended up in Europa actually, and then they got uh knocked out. But I do remember I think they beat Milan or tied Real Madrid. I don't know. All they I know beat is, Real Madrid, I think. Did they beat Real Madrid? Because I remember they just had some crazy games. So yeah, we should not discount anybody. Um we do know Dynamo Zagreb can be crazy, and especially when we go there, it might be a very tough game. Salzburg I've got a mad youth system, uh, Zagreb. Because yes. I think um, Kovacic came from there. Modric came from there. Uh, who's the center back at uh, Leipzig? Uh, Guardiol also uh, came from there. Uh, so, yeah, they've they've got a pretty good uh, youth setup. So, I think you can never count them out. They're going to be a pretty tough game. Not to mention all the people that have come from Salzburg. You got. I'm pretty sure oh. Timo came from Salzburg, didn't he? I'm not sure. No, Haaland definitely did. Haaland did. Adeyemi. Um... Uh, anybody who's gone to RB Leipzig pretty much has <laughs> come from um, RB Salzburg, it feels like. Yeah, and um, Minamino also. Minamino, yeah. So there's yeah. definitely a lot of potential for if we're not on our game, then we really could like leave a draw and then just drop enough points there where Milan takes it over us. But hopefully yeah, we top the group. Um, It's going to be some exciting games. I think all of those can be interesting because you might see a couple more people make the rotation like uh, – Maybe Chalaba makes it in. Maybe you see Ruben as a right wing back, depending on our uh, fixture condition, because we are supposed to finish the group stage before November. Or no, sorry, not about the first week of November, I believe. Um, I don't have the schedule in front of me, but I do believe we're going to have three weeks in a row of Champions League football. Isn't that correct? Yeah, it's going to be a mad yeah. period. No, yeah, I mean, thanks to the World Cup. Yeah, it it is. How long do we have until the World Cup? It's end of August, so about three months, little under three months until the World Cup starts. There's going to be a lot of games packed in between then. Um, so we we obviously have got all of the ones of the Champions League. We've got the first round of the Carabao Cup against Man City, so that'd be fun. Yeah. <laughs> Um, not to mention, we're already about to start the uh, midweek games, I believe. Don't we have a midweek game this week? Southampton, yeah. Yeah, is that Tuesday or Wednesday? I think it's Wednesday. I'm not sure. Uh, it's Tuesday. Tuesday afternoon. And then, oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if y'all know this. Next week is the first Champions League game for us. Yeah. Do- next Tuesday. That's crazy to me. See, because it feels like everything is already being so rushed this year. Like, I feel like that normally wouldn't have started yet. Um, oh, our our um, our weekend game against Southampton got po- po- postponed. I'm actually surprised about that. I really thought that they were going to make us uh, play that through. West Ham, it... you mean? Didn't I say West Ham? What did I say? No, you said Southampton. Oh, yeah, sorry. No, the yes, next weekend that we were supposed to play West Ham, that actually looks like it's been postponed, and I definitely thought it was going through. So we have uh Southampton at the week. Um I almost said weekend. God, you have me slipping up here, guys. I'm I'm just getting <laughs> shocked from all angles by all this like news. But um yeah, it's pushing me my job to know about this. So clearly I'm doing it poorly. Um so okay, I had a question I wanted to ask about um our defenders right now because it looks like Fofana coming in. We're probably gonna have a Kulabali Silva Fofana back three. 
Who do you think is going to end the season with more minutes played, though? Chalaba or Espelicueta? Um, <clears throat> oh, that's a tough question. I'm going to say Chalaba. I think only because I think Aspie will get quite a few as well. I think it'll be quite even up until maybe like 75% like, of the way through, maybe like up until like March time. And I think maybe when you've got a few like uh, safety fixtures where nothing's really on them, I think he'll get the minutes solely because of his age and potential and everything. And so, yeah, I think Trevor Edge, like just. Yeah, I agree. I also think, you know, Trev already has the upper hand, doesn't he? Because, well, I, I believe he does. He played a full 90 yesterday and SP played 45 and then he came on the previous two games. Or did he start the first game? Oh, I can't even remember. No, it was Reese started the first game. Um, Yeah, I think I think Trev will edge it out because obviously we know Thiago Silva can't play every game. So you'd imagine Koulibaly goes there. Uh, yesterday proved that Tuchel has faith in Chalabon, the left centre-back spot. So, or he can even play center center back because I don't think his distribution is that bad. So, I think, yeah, I think Chalaba will probably edge it. Uh, yeah, pretty odd that Tuchel didn't choose to play Marco Carella at left center back yesterday, but then again, we went back four, so it's probably not that odd. But, um, yeah, I, I think Trevor will edge it. I definitely think that is the most likely case, too, because, um, I think at this point, Trev brings a little bit more to the table than Espelicueta in terms of, um, well, definitely brings more in terms of physicality, but I think he's starting to gain that experience more. We do still, we still have seen him make some errors. Um, and I guess we don't have to split up the episode where we talk about um the squad and then we can talk about the game. We can maybe it'd be more appropriate to bring in um, notes from the game to um yesterday to talk about it. So, what did y'all think about Chalaba in the game? Like, because it felt like he did all right for most parts, but then you saw like. Uh, the moment against Vardy, I believe it was, when he had the breakaway, um, and somehow did not round Mendy enough to get it in. But Chalaba, I think, threw his leg up to stop it and just got spun around, and then was laying on the ground after. What What do you all think about his performance? Well, I was actually pretty impressed with him. I saw a few people on Twitter and whatnot like slagging him off, saying all these other things, saying he's not good enough and that, but. I actually thought he was pretty solid for most of the game. He, like you said there, the, the incident with Vardy where he had a few little uh, dodgy moments. But overall, I'm quite impressed. I mean, I saw a stat saying when he started, we've never actually lost a game, which is uh, always a good stat to, have on, uh, stat to have on your side. But yeah, I mean, overall, he did very well. Oh. But um, yeah, still, still only a second... Uh, second season in the Premier League and it was his first start for this one so I think there will be times where he does that but I think we've just got to give him our trust and have patience in him sometimes yeah, I do think forget he... it's only his second season yeah it's mad because it feels like he's been around for so long but um, yeah he, he had a very good first season and I think he can continue of that form in this season it was obviously his first start first couple of minutes so I think you need to take that into account when judging his performance uh based on that I think he had a he had a good performance because it's his first you know stint of minutes uh I think the only mistake I can think of is the the Vardy mistake and there's another instance where it's not a mistake this is a good thing that Trev did um I can't even start to name the players from Leicester that was involved but he got the ball in our box uh 
you know, shielded someone off, turned around and then kicked the ball out uh, in a very, you know, angsty period for us. I think it was near the end of the game. And that just proves that he's still raw in terms of his ability. Uh, and he has, you know, stuff to learn. But I think him being probably the main center, uh, deputy center back for all three positions now would mean that he could receive enough minutes to improve and uh, be satisfied by the end of the season. So... Yeah, I was I was pretty impressed with his performance yesterday. He did look pretty decent at that left center back spot after Aspie came on, didn't he? Yeah, I would say so. So he honestly could end up being a deputy to Kulabali instead of Kukurella, just to um just depending on what's going on. But something we also have to remember is Silva is getting older every day, and you do see him go down some of those games, and I'm not sure if he's genuinely hurt or if he's doing a little resting tactic sometimes because he's able to keep going. But um, here's another question for you all. I'm interested in your thoughts. Who do you think has a better chance of being a deputy to Silva if we stick with a back three? Chalaba or Fofana? Mm, I'm going to say Trav. Only, well, I think it could be either, but it, I think it depends on who we play. Because I think if we're playing a big team, as we saw after like Spurs and like Liverpool and stuff, I think he would use Reese as the right centre back to help like limit Son or Salah or whatever. But I think for a normal game, I think he'll use Trev on that right hand side and then Koulibaly in the middle if Silva can't play for whatever reason. But yeah, I think it really does just depend on who we play. Yeah, I tend to agree. I think the main thing that you need uh, from your center center back in a back three is distribution, which Thiago Silva is the best in the world at. So I think Chalaba would probably edge for fun on that sense, but I think Kulabali would edge both of them because I really like what I've seen so far from Kulabali and his um distribution with both feet. That's actually a very good shout. Um, I sh- you're right. I probably should have included Kulabali in that option, but Jude, would you put Kulabali? above both of them then if that was an option and then i guess for um let's put say just put it out there it would be maybe fofana right kulbali central and then trevor on the left yeah or even maybe kukurella depending on how chihuahua is um yeah that's it depends on how he recovers from that injury but i think either way you're um there's not really any defenders i don't trust really so i think whatever we do i'll be more than happy, or even maybe Aspie on my left-hand side. Or, uh, yeah, I think it all really depends what we need in the team. Maybe we need some experience, or maybe we need pace. It, yeah, I think whatever we do, I think I'll I'll be quite happy with. Now, something I was concerned about was what would we do if uh, if Silva got hurt and we were out without him for a few games. It feels like now with by adding Fofana and keeping Chalva, we have gotten a good enough core of defenders to hold a back three through a remainder of the season if we lost one of our main players. Do you all feel confident that we have done enough to address the defender situation um, at Chelsea? Yeah, I think so. Um, look, last season, if you take last season as the... Uh, what, what? How can you say? The precedent, I guess. Uh, it was Thiago Silva in the middle, and then... I, who was the majority right center back? Was it Christensen or Aspie? I think it's probably Christensen in the beginning and then Aspie later on. I agree. But um, yeah, I would say so. It was let's say Thiago Silva, Christensen, right, Rudiger left, and you had Aspie as a backup, Chalaba as a backup, and Sar as a backup. 
where now you replaced uh, Rudiger with Kulabali and then uh, Christensen with Fofana. So you still have Trev and Aspie and now you have Kukurela as the backup left centre-back. And I don't know about you guys, but I would much prefer Kukurela as a left centre-back than Saar, pretty much because I think Kukurela suits our overlapping wide centre-backs more than Saar does, and I, I trust him more on the ball. Um, yeah, I've really liked what I've, uh, what I've seen from Kukurela so far, so I don't know if you guys agree with that. But yeah, I would say we've done enough. I would definitely agree with that because I think that wide centre-back position is very important to be able to play long balls, switch the play, um, and um, break lines with some balls. And I definitely think Kukurega has that in bags above Sar. Jude, do you have any thoughts on that? Um, yeah, I think I, I agree. Because I think losing Rudiger and Christensen was never going to be easy. Uh, and I think we've actually upgraded on them. And then obviously losing Saar as well, who granted didn't play much last season. But when he did, he... He was alright, but you know, something special, though, is he? And I think Kukrela is an upgrade. So yeah, I definitely uh, think we've we're more than like happy with our defense. So I don't want to be seeing a link of any more defenders anytime soon. All right, then it's good to see that we're fairly satisfied with the defender's position because that was a huge issue going into the summer. And I feel like maybe we have found a way to um, carry ourselves on. And also, I see if y'all agree with me on this. The personnel that we have between Koulibaly, Silva, Chalaba, and Fofana, wouldn't you say, though, depending on the pairing, maybe more Koulibaly and Fofana, wouldn't you say they could do decent as a back four pair? Without a doubt. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's and ideal centre-back partnership. And we saw that today um, in terms of back four um, starting out because it did feel like a, would y'all agree a four two two two? That was definitely a four at the back because uh, Trevor's on the right side of Thiago Silva, and uh, so that would mean Reese would be right back because Ruben was further forward. So unless we were for some reason playing Thiago Silva left centre back, it was definitely a back four when we started off until we, uh, till Connor got the red card. Then I think we diverted back to a back three. Yeah, so I think definitely I'm very happy with the defenders just based on the fact that we do have more options in terms of going to a back four or doing the back three. So it'll be interesting to see. Now let's move into a fairly problematic area of the pitch right now, which is our midfield. Now the midfield, now we have problems and it goes across from bad form to injuries to just improper playing of positions and roles in my opinion basically um just saying someone who shouldn't be playing there that much is playing there and I, normally i reference gallagher in the pivot when i'm trying to say that last one so let's think about who we have left we have conte who had a good start to the season but is now hurt we have Jorginho, who has had some good form and bad form in um at the season so far but he's had to play almost every game so far. And I think he's, I don't think he's played a full game yet. Has he, has he been substituted out every game so far? I'm not sure about the Everton game, but definitely Leeds and yesterday, uh, I think Tottenham as well, to be fair. So yeah, I'm not sure, but I think so. Yeah. Okay. So we got Jorginho who's 
not playing full matches anymore. We have Kovacic, who is always probably our best midfielder and most talented, but he is um he's just getting hurt. He's become injury prone. Um, we did see him come back at the um the end of this game, I believe. Was was it the last twenty minutes or so? Is that how much he got in? He got seven. He came in the seventy fifth minute for Jorginho. Um, so and he, about me, eighteen minutes. Yeah, he didn't look like he did much, but he didn't need to. He looks more like he was just stretching his legs, but he also still looked a little tense. Like, did he look a little off to y'all? Just like he still wasn't fully there. Yeah, no, I don't think he was. I think after injuries, you're always a little bit cautious initially. I mean, I don't, when I played football, I was never injured much, but on the times I were, you always, when you come back, you don't want to get injured again straight away. So, I think not throwing him in the defense straight away is probably a good idea. I mean, I think Tuchel said he's going to play about twenty minutes anyway, didn't he, before the game? But um, yeah, I'm sure he'll be back to his best. Yeah, he didn't have much of a preseason either, so I think it's expected for him to you know be a bit rusty. There was a, a portion where oh, I just can't remember once again the lesser players involved, but he he won the ball and he just went on a sprint down towards. Uh, the goal where we should score. And I think he tried to offload it to Havertz, but it was a bit too much on the pass or something like that. So, you know, he had bursts of pace and speed, which means he's pretty comfortable running, but I just think he needs to get into that rhythm. I don't think he'll start against Southampton. I think he'll probably get a bit more minutes than he did against uh, Leicester. But yeah, I think we should just ease him in because losing him is not ideal. It's a lot, it's a lot, um, more comforting and, you know, just, yeah, I guess comforting is the only word I can use to describe him in the team, um, to have him fit and ready to play and deputize anyone or start, ideally. But, you know, he shouldn't start every game. So coming off the bench, he can also be a, a weapon. Okay. So now let's also talk about Gallagher, who is kind of an elephant in the room after the uh, this game. Um, the red card, we all agree, pretty foolish. Um, I think if – answer me this. If he hadn't got that first yellow card, do you think it would have been straight red? Oh, um, uh, it depends how you look at it because there's four men running back behind him. But I, when, when you see – I know slow-mo is always going to look worse. When you see it, he like properly crunches down on his ankle as well. Uh I, I'm going to... It'll be either a harsh red or a lenient yellow. It's like one of the ones where it's in between. I think it depends on what referee it is. Yeah, I agree. If it's Anthony Taylor, it's a red. Um, <laughs> other than that, other than that, I think uh, it's probably a yellow. Um, because it was, it was in Leicester's half, so I guess you could take that into account. But yeah, I think it would be in a yellow. Otherwise, maybe he would have gotten a straight red yesterday and he would be, he'd be out for three games now, but... Luckily, I guess, it was only a second yellow and he's only out for one game. But yeah, it was pretty foolish uh, to make the foul there. Now, are y'all... I don't. I, I use the term worried a lot, it feels like now, but maybe some would say after like, four games, you wouldn't really feel worried much. Like, if it keeps going on, then you'd be worried. But I'm going to ask it anyways. Are you worried about Gallagher's use right now in terms of being a pivot player? Like, I think... 
most people agree a pivot isn't his preferred position. I think a roaming eight um, or even someone in a 10 might be a little better for Gallagher um, based on his pressing um, and just um, what creativity he can bring sometimes, but it feels like he is. I asked a question earlier on one of my pods about is the coachability of Gallagher so high that he could form himself into a pivot player. And I think we had said yes, but now I'm really not too sure about it anymore. And I wouldn't want to form Gallagher into a pivot player. I'd rather play a system that really suits him more. And this is not me saying build a system around Gallagher. That's not it at all. I mean, you have players like Mason Mount too who are playing out of position. I'd rather him play in the midfield. I'd rather him play as an eight. I, I think that we have more eights than anything else. So I don't understand why we don't play a system that utilizes them more, but that's just too cool. But are y'all worried that Gallagher is maybe going to get like a bad resume for Chelsea early on just based on being forced into the pivot and not being suited for it? Yeah, definitely. I can You can see it already. If you just if you scroll through Twitter for like 10 minutes during a game, um, you can see all the abuse and stuff he's getting, which I think is very harsh considering he's been at the club since he was, what, like eight or nine? Countless loans, hundreds and hundreds of youth games, and he's finally got into the first team. And after two starts, there's people who want to write him off, which I think is absolutely absurd. And especially when he's not even playing in position. But we've all seen how good he was when he was at Palace last season when he was playing further up the pitch. But yeah, I, I don't I don't necessarily agree with what Tuka was doing with him. And I think this isn't the first time Tuka playing players out of position. You see maybe with Havertz on the wing at time, Mount on the wing at time, there's countless other positions as well with James at centre back and whatnot. But yeah, I, I, I do worry for him because I don't want him to, like, uh, what's the word? Like, I don't want him to suffer due to something which is out of, like, because he's playing in the wrong position. Yeah, I agree. I think um, I think he can play in a pivot if you really, uh, you know, make the position specifically for him, but he needs a DM next to him so he doesn't have to come back as much and Jorginho's just not mobile enough for that. But um, yeah, ideally, obviously, I think a good position for him actually would be the role that Ruben Ofsicic played yesterday. So obviously, this is taking into account that I believe he didn't really play right wing back, more of a right centre mid in a four three three. Because I, I do think we played four um, four at the back in the beginning of the game. I think that could be a good position for him. I think actually he started off the game pretty well until his first yellow. Then he kind of dipped off, chased the ball a lot. Um you know, had decent passing range and passing abilities and dribbling abilities. But um, I think Tuchel's profiling of him as kind of like the Kante replacement is is incorrect because I think he's more of a Mount player than a Kante player. And um, yeah, I, I don't think he should be used in a pivot in a back three ever. In a back four, you can use him in the midfield, but alongside a defensive player and then maybe like a Kovacic, I guess, who contributes defensively but can also help distribution wise so yeah I'm, I'm pretty I don't know exactly what's going to be the outcome for him this season I do think there is a spot for him to develop still in this team we just need to find it and with that I think comes the formation change um, at least in position uh, in position I mean um, 
but yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't think we have to worry too much at this moment. He's had a shaky start, obviously, as Twitter normally is. He's gotten loads of abuse, which is absolutely absurd, seeing as his dad was so proud of him for making his debut, and uh, they're proper Chelsea fans, all of them, and now they have to endure this and after the game he even put out a heartfelt message where he says he takes full accountability for his actions he won't do it again or something along those lines and that he's very happy that the team clawed it out despite him putting them in a disadvantage which I think is very telling you know him owning up to his mistakes but yeah I think there is a spot for him it's a bit worrying the way he's being utilized at the moment but I think Look, if Tuchel can't see that he's not being utilized correctly and that this is not the spot for him, I don't know. But I think Tuchel will realize that and start playing him in, like I said, maybe the Ruben role from yesterday. But see, I feel like a player like Mount, who we all know is top quality, is one of our best players, but who's also someone who's struggling right now in this system. He's not had a very good season. He got hooked today um, because of the red card. Um he decided to pull off and I was a little surprised he pulled off Mount, but I'm not surprised at the same time because Mount really wasn't doing a great job, but it, it, see, it's this misprofiling that just worries me that Mount is not a winger. Mount is not really that much of a right forward either. Granted, he's gotten the most goals and assists in our side, I believe um, under Tuchel. I'm pretty sure that's correct. Um, and he's been the most productive of the front three that we've had in any kind of combination for the past season or so. But at the same time, he that's not really where he thrives at. That's not really like where I think he does his best work. And I think a lot of his goals, where he gets them, they come from a more midfield-like position. Like, it, he, he's not a – I don't know. I wouldn't say – He's an amazing 1v1 dribbler. I think he can do a little quick turn and trick, but I don't think he's someone on the level of like Sterling in terms of dribbling. So I've always said I think Mason is an 8. I think I could, he could be a 10 in a 4-2-3-1. But I really worry with all the 8s that we are getting. You got your Chukomeka, you got your Gallagher, you got your Kovacic, who I kind of is a – he can do a pivot, but I still kind of see him as an eight a little bit. You've got Mount. You have got um, I don't know about I don't even know. Conte. Um well Conte, yes. Conte kind of is like a, a roaming he is kind of in the same uh pocket as Kovacic to me. Um I mean Cassade as well. No. That's who I was trying. I was trying to figure out um how to say Cassade. Um he's definitely more of a Ford roaming eight. Now Tell me why I can't figure out what the plot line is with all these midfielders who clearly represent one like one specific type of profile and seems like they would thrive in it. But yet we don't want to work towards that. And I and I do question Tuchel. I question Tuchel because I don't understand and I want to understand and I wish it wasn't so I wish it was more obvious. I wish I could understand why Tuchel wants these players so much to be in a pivot or be in like a right forward role or like what he's building towards because I think Mount and Gallagher and Kovacic could all do so well in a mid three. Not 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 all together. I just mean is like eights going forward. And I think whenever Chukameka comes in, whenever he plays, 
I think he's going to be better as an eight. And anyone else we bring in, it feels like are more suited to eights these days because I can't remember the last time we actually brought in someone who felt like a real DM. And that's what I feel like we need to make everyone work is a DM. And Jorginho right now is the only one who can hold it down, kind of. And he's not even doing it for a full game normally. But I'm also worried about Jorginho because he's been playing a lot more with Kovacic and Conte being hurt because it kind of just makes sense that he would play more. But we have nobody to back him up now because Ampadu is being shipped off to Spezia, I think. Billy Gilmore, who's another one of our midfielders, has been just basically blacklisted by two what feels like. I have not heard one thing about Billy in so long. I didn't even I watched the a Premier League two game where uh our guys played against Man City. I did not see Billy, never saw him even mentioned. I did see Chukameka play, and I'm very confused because Billy seems like the most direct depth to Jorginho right now. And if you brought Jorginho off, I mean, depending on how the game's going, like if he got hurt, if Jorginho gets hurt too, I really think Tuchel is going to be in a shocked state because I have no idea what we were going to do if for some reason we lost Kovacic, Conte, and Jorginho. I don't think he's prepared to deal with that okay? because Billy's been basically phased out of the team. I don't even know if he's fit. I don't even know if he's healthy. I haven't heard anything about my Billy. I love Billy, guys. Y'all know I love Billy. And like I haven't even heard anything about a real direct move for him. He could have not been in the club already, for all I know. But it's like, why are, is he not using Billy when he could help out Jorginho? He could give Jorginho rest. And I swear, I've we've seen Ampadu on the bench now uh, when our midfield's being depleted, but he's never come in. He's never come in. And you still have Ruben who is an eight. I don't know why I never said Ruben in all of those eights. It's probably because I've seen him way too much now at the right wing back position. But Ruben is still another talented eight. So if for some reason we lose Jorginho, we are in a really screwed position in our midfield because we have no defensive-minded midfielders. What are we going to do? Are we going to repeat uh, the, the Lampard experiment of Conte at DM for a while? I think all of us we're pretty unhappy with how that turned out. Right. Because it was just, it was not Conte's, um It didn't suit him um, because he needs to roam. He can't anchor down. And like, now I want to hear from y'all. I've, I've ranted a bit. If Jorginho, cause and I bring this up a lot because Jorginho is not really playing full games anymore and he's making more mistakes, but I'm more worried about his age and fitness. How bad of a situation are we going to be in? If we, lose Jorginho right now anytime soon and you have Conte or Kovacic or both still hurt yeah I'm, I mean I'm not Jorginho's biggest fan but if he were to leave I mean he's the only player we really have who is actually close to what we need is in like that profile of a DM so I do want him to I think it is the right time for him to go if, if we get a replacement but I don't think we will so I think that will mean he will be sticking around for another year. But, and I'm not even talking yeah. about transferring him out. I'm just worried about him being hurt and unable to play. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Kante and Kovacic are already injury prone. It's what it is. But, I mean, yeah, it, the Gallagher pivot obviously hasn't worked. Maybe we could use Ruben there. But then it depends if he's needed out on the right or not. But, 
I mean, we have a lot of players in that position, like, but they're all not really pivot players, are they? Like Gallagher isn't. We haven't seen any from anything from Carney yet. But so Gilmore would have worked around Paddy, but again, both look like they'll be on their way out. Trev, maybe, but oh, it's hard, really. Um, yeah, hopefully he doesn't get injured, but also it's what you do because he's nowhere near what he was a few years ago, Jorginho. So it's difficult. I think a DM was vital this summer, but it hasn't been, hasn't happened. Yeah, I agree. I think I've got a bit of a hot take brewing, which is if enough midfield injuries happen like we had in, I think it was probably the middle part of last season, where obviously Kova and Kante were out. We had Jorginho there. I think Ruben Loftus-Cheek got injured a few times as well. I think if we found ourselves in a similar situation again, I think Billy would probably be forced to be picked if he was still at the club, you know, because the only link I've seen is him to Brighton, maybe on a permanent with a buyback. And I think if he were to be forced into the team and he were to be subbed on and play, I think that would change Tuchel's mind and he would play him even more often, which is which is odd because I think he should be he should get an opportunity either way. Now, look, he will if it comes to the Carabao Cup games, maybe, and he's still at the club. I can't for the life of me imagine him not getting you know minutes there, but. Yeah, if Jorginho gets injured, look, I'm likewise to Jude. I'm not the biggest fan of him. Um, I do think that for the things you sacrifice for him playing, there's more to gain from other players. If if you sacrifice a position for this passing master, his passing needs to be the elite of the elite, like Pelo, Fabregas, you know, those type of players, Xavi. And I just don't think that uh, Jorginho is. But yeah, I think... Um, if he were to get injured, it could be, you know, pretty dangerous for us, provided who else is injured. But hopefully, Tuchel sees the light with Billy Gilmore because I really, I rate him, and I'm I'm prepared to say, and I'll fight people on this that I think Billy Gilmore could offer more than Jorginho. But um, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Hopefully, Tuchel sees the light in terms of that, and some miraculous way we decide we need a midfielder before the window closes. But I don't think that will happen. And people still ask for, in midfield, they want a creator. They want someone dynamic. But I still, and I don't know if it's just in the world, there is just not enough DMs that seem ex- uh, acceptable. Like, you have this guy, Um, I don't know his first name. He's a Kiat Kiat. I'm going to call him, his last name's Kone. His last name's Kone. Quadio. Was it? Quadio Kone. Quadio Kone? Yeah. So, yeah, Kone plays for Borussia Mönchengladbach and apparently I was it Bayern Munich that they played just recently and he put in like a masterclass against them yeah yeah like he is looking good for um for Mönchengladbach uh, that is someone who could be serviceable um Kakare from Lyon was a good option until he renewed his contract with them Sangare was a decent option um before he renewed his contract with PSV and I'm very confused because all there's all these players who you could get probably each of them for 20 mil or under before they renewed their contract. I think 20 mil or under maybe 30 could have gotten them. And that is good to have because like, I think we all still want Declan Rice. I think a lot of people still see Declan Rice as one of the best teams and probably what the most and one that makes most sense to bring in. But obviously he's been priced out. 
So what do you do? Bring in a makeshift one. Because I feel like nobody at this club has really bothered to address the fact that Jorginho is not a true DM, and that's fine. He's doing okay as, as a pivot right now. But if he got hurt, there is literally, besides Billy, and I am i don't think about Billy right now because Tuchel doesn't even think about Billy, it seems like. So I feel like I can't now when I talk about these conversations. There is no one to service and replace Jorginho. And then it's going to throw the whole system out of whack because can you imagine if you got a pivot of Gilmore or not Gilmore, I'm sorry, uh, Gallagher and um, Chukomeka? Like if we had our like our main three midfielders hurt, like it, it probably would be Ruben and Gallagher. Honestly, um, I think Ruben and Gallagher would be that pivot. That is not a good pivot. As much as I love Ruben, as much as I think Gallagher can be decent, that is a pivot that all of FT would burn down and probably rage because we would get absolutely destroyed in the midfield and targeted. Don't y'all think? Yeah, it'll be the biggest I told you so moment of the season if that happens. Um, yeah, I don't think that is a pivot I'd want to see at all this season, which is why I think that if a situation like that were to arise, you'd kind of have to pick Billy. You can't not pick him if he's available for us. That's just my opinion, though. I would pick him regardless, but yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. I think... It's weird how he's been treated by Tuchel. I don't really understand why, because he's the only other sort of player who's kind of fits this sort of system that he's using, but he, for some reason, doesn't want to use him at all. So I um, don't really know what's going on there. But yeah, that would not be that would not be a fun game to watch if that was the pivot. And I really do think that I've heard fairly credible things that uh, Tuchel more is worried about his size. And I mean, Billy... Not the biggest guy, obviously. We we know that. He is 5'7", I believe. But Jorginho? How tall is Jorginho? He's not that big, right? He's 5'11". So it's a little bit of a difference. But Jorginho is not physical at all. I think Billy could probably outbody Jorginho debatably. But it just doesn't make sense to me. And, I mean, we went after Frankie de Jong. We really did. But Frankie didn't want to come here. And I'm just like... Surely you didn't just put all the eggs in one basket that didn't even want to come here and you didn't even think about anybody else. Like you made all these youth signings, but not even any of the youth signings you got were DMs, like not even people that were promising. And then you have Ampadu and now who is actually probably the most eligible candidate to be a DM for us. And he's being shipped off to Spezia. And I'm just like really scared that this midfield is a ticking time bomb that with all these games and we're having to play, like imagine our calendar where you have Champions League midweek game, you got weekend games all cycling back between each other before the World Cup, and then you have the World Cup, which, well, Jorginho's not in, but Kovacic will be in, Conte will be in. You think they're going to come back fully fit from that? I and Gallagher probably as well. Gallagher Maybe, might even make the squad. I don't know if Gallagher will make the squad, based on how things are going right now. But um, it's going to be hard. It it It's going to be a grueling um, season, I think, for us. And the fact that we really haven't addressed our actual midfield needs kind of worries me. It, it really does worry me. So uh, I know we've harped 
spend a lot of time on that. Um, but let's talk about the attack now. Now, we have definitely feel like Sterling coming in, excellent signing. We saw a great performance from him today, won the game for us. Um, I thought he he's had a good start to the start to the season. Sorry, lost the word. And it seems like he's becoming the one that you say he's got to be in the front three every game, um, even over Mount, because I think he's much, much more natural front three player. And you have Mount who's being forced up there, who's still not doing that well. I wouldn't, I don't think Tuchel would bench Mount from the front three, but I wouldn't be surprised if we saw maybe Southampton, he didn't start. I think he will start just because he got hooked, but I wouldn't be super surprised if we saw Pulisic and Sterling up top. And then here's Kai. I want to read y'all a statistic from today, and y'all won't be shocked by this, um, but it's just further emphasizing a point. We had three shots on target in total today. We had two off target. Five shots total in that whole game that we won 2-1, and Kai had no shots. He had 68% pass accuracy, no crosses, no long balls, no key passes, and he lost possession 17 times. Now, Broya did not come in because he's been injured with a knock, and he's not. he wasn't eligible, I think, May I don't think he was. Did he feature against Everton or Spurs? Which one did he come in as a substitute? Spurs. Was it, was it Spurs? So and Everton. So both Spurs okay. and Everton. He was injured for Leeds. He was yeah. injured for Leeds, and he had a knock today. He was on the bench, but he didn't come in. If Kai cannot improve, and Broya for some reason maybe has an ongoing injury that he's struggling with. What are we going to do in attack? Because five shots in total for that whole game is pretty troubling. Granted, we had three shots on target and two. I don't. Did they count Sterling's goal as a shot on target? Considering it basically got deflected and lofted into the air almost over everybody. Did you? I, I, and maybe that's not a fair question to ask y'all, but I mean, would that count as a shot on target? I would think so, but I'm not sure. But it feels like we are really lacking. I mean, considering we scored nothing against Leeds, we won Everton 1-0, and we only got two against Tottenham. And, I mean, granted, Tottenham is probably the most impressive game we've had so far, but I am still worried about this attack because we go from 4-2-2-2, we go 3-5-2, we go 3-4-3, and this is the first game where I believe anyone from our front three has gotten a goal contribution. Isn't that correct? Or maybe it's just a goal. Yeah. A goal. Yeah. So I'm really worried because I think from, did y'all see any reports that the bombing deal maybe is about to fall through because the asking price is too high? Yeah, yeah but so apparently we're going to fall back on Zaha. Sorry, go Jude. Yeah, yeah, no, I saw a few things about that, but um, I'm not really sure what's happening. I saw a few people saying he was at the airport on his way over, and then about two or three days later, it's just gone silent again. So I'm not, I'm not sure why, why that's happened. And the reason I talk so heavily about all this is because there are three days left 
in this window to address a season, well, half a season long of needs. And we all know the winter window. We don't normally get that much great stuff done. It's really hard to move someone on that's important to a club in the winter window, unless you give them like a great deal or one that starts in the summer. So if we don't get Zaha or Yang, I'm not only really worried about the ticking time bomb that's the midfield, I'm worried about up top because I do believe in Kai. I believe Kai possesses the potential to pull something out of the bag and be good. We have seen it out of him. But if for some reason Broya keeps struggling with an injury, we have nobody to bring off the bench for as, as an actual kind of striker or number nine role. We only have wingers. We've got Pulisic. Ziyech is about to leave. We have Callum. And then Sterling's already out there. So I'm really worried that we diddled, twiddled our thumbs too long about this because you cannot take a whole season with only three strikers. If anything, would would we have to call up um uh was it is it um who is the striker? No, I'm not Sunsa Bell from the development team. Um Mason is it Burstone? Um Yeah. Do you know who I'm talking about? Yeah, Mason Burstow. I, mean, I think it's Mason, but it's Burstow, yeah. Yeah. If if we lost Broya or Ster or not Sterling, um Kai for a bit. I feel like if we don't sign anybody, we're gonna have to bring in someone from the from the academy team because you, wh- how bad would you feel if I told you you were playing? Or I guess let me. I don't want to say bad. I want to already say it's gonna be awful, but it's probably not everyone's ideal condition. I want to hear from y'all. If you lost Kai for injury and Broya was hurt, the first reason you lose all of them, how confident are you with a front three of Sterling, Pulisic, and Mount? Um. Wow, uh, and I mean, playing them as like a three, not you don't even get to say the mountain drops back into midfield because if that was the case, I think it would be a little better. But I'm no, I'm saying, like, what if you have to play them in their three, four, three? Yeah, I wouldn't be too confident. Um, Pilisic has never been consistent as a, I, I don't think you can trust him throughout a season at all. Sterling, I'd be fairly confident with, but whether he would just get put up front, obviously that's not his best position and you can play there, but obviously from a left or the right is probably where he's better. And again, Mount, he's not a winger, is he? He's like an eight or a that sort of free Roman midfielder role. But yeah, I mean, we would have to make do. But what can you do? Yeah, I also I wouldn't be comfortable with that, but I don't think it will. Well, it could obviously always come to that, but in scenarios like that, I guess Pulisic will be your your striker or, or Sterling. So I don't think it will be as bad. <laughs> Probably be like a shifting fluid three. Yeah, I guess, but yeah, that wouldn't be ideal. I do think that we'll get an attacker in, though. It's pretty obvious that we're going after Aubameyang. If that won't happen, I think. Uh, Zaha will be our fullback. If that doesn't happen, we'll panic by on the last day. I, I do think we'll get someone in. Um, I, I don't think it'll be Liao. I would like it to be, but yeah, um, we do need someone. Something that I would say in terms of Kai, though, and I think it's no secret that I'm a very big fan of Kai. I think that a Kai-Brosia partnership is something to look out for because having um, 
someone that can capitalize on Kai's runs, but also then at the same space uh, at the same time create space for Kai is uh, could always be beneficial. So I don't know. I think it could still work out. Kai's never been the guy that starts a season off running, which is something he needs to work on. He's always the second half slash mid part of the season guy. Um, especially last season, I think there was like this run of games where he was. I I had him as the player of the season. Ah, player of the season, player of the of the month for Premier League that month. I just can't remember which month it was. It was during our sanctions. Um, but yeah, I don't know. He needs to work on it. I do think that he'll come good. Uh, the, this game is probably not the best to to judge him on because it was down to ten men. He was probably left on the pitch to be the guy that chases down every loose ball from the um, opposition, hold up play, you know, just waste time. That's what we saw from him at the end of the game. So I think this is probably not the best game to judge him on stats-wise from reading his stats. But yeah, he does need to work on his finishing and his um, decisions. Another thing that I will say is you said we only had five shots. So I mean, the fact that Kai didn't take a shot isn't necessarily down to him in that scenario. It could be down to the fact that there weren't any shots for him to take. Because I can't really remember... A time where I think Kaya should have blasted that towards goal. I mean, there was the heavy touch, and then there was the um, Raheem Sterling that kind of overhit the pass. Apart from that, I can't really think of Kaya doing much in the attack and having many opportunities to do something in the attack. So I think, yeah, Southampton. I would. I don't know who, who I'd start there. If Kai starts, I think he should make that a statement. He should try and do something that game because it's about time. If he gets dropped, it's understandable. Um, I do think that actually something we've seen from Kai is if he gets dropped, you normally when he comes back on, he comes back with a with a reaction. He tries to make a statement. Um, it happened a few times when he was dropped for Timo and then he would get subbed on. Then he would buy his sub appearances to try and force his way into the starting eleven. So I think that could also be a play for us to do. But um, yeah, the only the only game that I would say has been a good game from Kai was the Spurs game, and he didn't really contribute goal wise or assist-wise to that, but yeah, he had a good game against Spurs, but apart from that, he does need to step it up. I agree with that. And I will say, um, adding of this, uh, looking at um, Sofa score, his heat map has him heavily concentrated on the left-hand side, and there is a little bit of heat on the right side of the goal. Nothing through the middle, honestly, that much. So, and I'm going to look at Sterling here. Sterling also looked like he heavily occupied that left side. So I'm kind of just wondering where was our central presence in that whole game? You didn't have any. That's why we need someone um, that can exploit that middle part because um, Alex H, uh, obviously both know who that is. Oh, well, all three of us, sorry. Uh, know who that is. Um, he mentions that Kai makes a lot of runs and we don't have someone to exploit the middle part that he leaves vacant. And that's something that I think Aubameyang would do very well. Zaha probably as well, because he was he was a striker, if I'm not mistaken, when he was at Manchester United. Jeez, I could probably, I don't know. He could maybe have never even been at Manchester United. I don't know, waffling now, but I do think he was. Um, so yeah, I think someone, we just need an attacker that can exploit this. And something good, I think, about Zaha, which is at the moment a fallback option on Aubameyang, is having Raheem say on the right side as a right winger and um, Zaha on the left side means that we have two people that can actually dribble and don't rely on one-twos to get past players, which I think could be very useful for us. So, yeah, I don't know. It would be interesting to see how, how our team looks after the trans window in terms of our attack. Yeah, no, I agree. I think getting 
at least one of Alba or Zaha would be well, vital for the season. Um, both would be ideal, but I can't see it happening, unfortunately. But I mean, we had it. We did see it a few times last season when we had Rom play next to Havertz, but obviously Rom isn't the same sort of player as an Alba or a Zaha. But yeah, I think maybe we have a player with a bit more pace and a little bit more who made the runs and uh, get into that box. And you have Sterling on one side, maybe Mount on the other, Pulisic, depending on who we're playing. I think it's a pretty decent attack for a season. So looking forward, we have a game coming up against Southampton on Tuesday. After that, we have Zagreb the next Tuesday. And then we have, the so after the Zagreb game in the same week, we have Fulham at the weekend. Now, those are all on paper. Three teams you'd think that we should beat, yeah? You'd like to think so. I mean, Fulham has been decent. They drew with Liverpool, obviously, but yeah, I think once you have Fofana in, Reese James occupying that right wing back, Sterling looking like he's uh, playing off of Reese very well lately, I think, yeah, you'd like to say we win all three of those. And yeah. Oh, sorry, good job. Oh, sorry, continue. No, no you right. Yeah, no. Yeah, I think we would. Uh... Win all them. Um, I think probably the hardest, well, on paper, would be West Ham, but they've had a pretty a poor start to the season. Um, and obviously, flying to Croatia won't be easy, but yeah, I think we should win all them. And then, right, um, I didn't mention them, but a week after the Fulham game, right now, is the Liverpool game. And then we're going a uh, small international break. So these. Uh, Liverpool, I think, is going to be a tough matchup. And if we don't have this attack sorted by then, like, now I'm not even calling about transfers coming in. I'm just mean, like, who, how, if Kai pulls form out of the bag or if Roya comes in, starts starts doing well, if we don't have that sorted, we are not going to win Liverpool. And that's one of those, like, season-defining games where it's, like, it can make or break, like, how far up like I don't think we're gonna challenge for the title. So maybe it's not a season defining game, but if you're not gonna if you're gonna lose against Leeds, then you're gonna have to make up for it against other games. And we always normally play well against big teams. And Liverpool and us, well we've got a history now. And not to mention we just have a grudge to settle. So that's gonna be a big game for us. And we have three games, Southampton, um Dynamo Zagreb and Fulham to get it together and hopefully you're gonna have Broya get more fit. You're going to have Kovacic get more fit. And then Kai, we has to pick up form or Broya has to come in and they have to figure something out because these are all three teams where I can see us scoring a couple goals against each. And if we don't, if we don't score much out of these three games, they're coming up. I'm genuinely a bit worried, especially because by the time Zagreb comes around, the transfer window is going to be closed. We're 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 going to know what the the team looks like until January. So, and I'm pretty sure that the Zagreb game is in uh is in Croatia. I think. I don't know if y'all can confirm that, but that's going to be tough. It's that's going to be a, a tough trip. I definitely think Dynamo Zagreb could just hold it all back against us. And it could give us a real fight to force a draw if we are not um, all guns firing. It is in Croatia, yeah. So, I mean, what are y'all thinking about, like, the next three games? Is this, like, our chance where we have to figure 
things out before. I mean, it's granted, yes, it's right before Liverpool, so we've got to figure things out. But this season so far, it doesn't feel like we've really got all of our, all of our shit together, basically, right? I mean, granted, we've had a few injuries, and we're dealing with some suspensions now. We also don't have Gallagher for the Southampton game. Um, so assuming Kovis, we haven't even, I don't even know how to even think about that. If Co- assuming Kovacic is not fully healthy, what's our pivot? Is it Ruben and Jorginho? Mm, has to be, yeah. Yeah, I don't think, really think we have many other options. Do y'all think Kovacic might be healthy enough to start that? I think it's oh, probably a think so, bit no. too soon. Yeah. That's... um. That's troubling. It's things I worry about, man. I mean, I'm sure everyone else worries about it too, considering that there's not a lot of good, in my opinion, a gr- really good player that you can bring into our team. A deal like that takes longer than three days. But I would take a, pur- a sub- somebody for a purple patch, honestly, just just for some depth. Just to get I mean, se- just somewhere. look how long it took United to get Casemiro. <clears throat> he's considered a big player, 400k a week. So it could be done. Depends on how persistent we are. And naturally, deals tend to get fast-tracked at the end of the window because the, the club that would be selling would also want to maybe reinvest the money. So that it will be in their interest also to uh, speed things up. It could happen, um, but I don't think we're going to sign players that we haven't been linked to yet. I don't think we, there's going to be new names. Uh, but yeah, I think we we have to try and get two players in at least. Yeah, it's gonna be interesting. It's gonna be a very important few days. Um, yeah, and I mean maybe um after Tuesday, depending how that game goes, we're gonna have like an even bigger sense of like deadline day um needs because um if I'm assuming Kai is definitely gonna start. I mean it's not much of an assumption, but Kai is probably going to start against Southampton. I'm thinking it's going to be um, Kai Sterling Mason as usual. But if for some reason we don't have an um, impressive performance against Southampton, and I think it's away. I think it's at St. Mary's, isn't it? Yeah, it, yeah is. it is. Okay. So if we don't put in something convincing, or who knows, maybe it's a like one of those situations where you look good, then – you're not as worried, but if you look bad, maybe Todd gets scared and he wants to fork over a lot more money um, right at the end just to just to avoid all the um like the hassling of a uh, bargaining between like a club and how much they want. Like it's more on personal terms. And I'm pretty sure Zaha actually wants to come here from just based on the vibes. I think he would be fine coming here, but it's if Crystal Palace is okay losing maybe the most valuable player or just obviously one of their like normal starters. So I think Zaha is the most likely to come in. I still would love if we got bold and make a move for uh, Yvonne Tony. Yvonne Tony is someone I think I would rather have over Zaha. What about y'all? Oh yeah, definitely. But um, I think it's probably a little bit too late for Brentford to sell him. I think with Zaha it's different because he only got a year on his contract left, I think. But um, yeah. Yeah, I think Tony, if you, if you want to bring him in now, I don't think old Brent would say no, but I think you would have to pay a lot over what they would be asking for originally. Yeah, I think Tony could probably go for like 60 mil. <laughs> in today's market, you never know, but 
uh, like I see a lot of people, and I also like Tony, but I really haven't seen a lot of links at all. I think I've seen one maybe. So, yeah, I think it's going to be Zaha probably or Aubameyang. And um, I don't know, there's obviously a loose link to Pedro Neto, 50 mil. Uh, St. Maximin's been linked, which is not going to happen now. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> There's not much to say on it. I think we, we'll just have to go on, going to wait and see what uh, the Todd father decides. <laughs> yeah, Todd, if there's ever a, a time to make a big statement, it's right now. This is about to be the end of your first window. So if you're listening, please make something happen. Please. Because I don't... Because honestly, if we had... Like if we had brought in a like a nor a natural striker and a DM, I genuinely would say we could challenge for the title. We could we could we could be up there. We could just at least not worry about top four. I'm I'm it's early in days in the season, but for some reason I'm worried about top four right now. I don't have good feelings, and I'm normally a fairly positive person, but um, it's it seems like we've addressed the defense very well. We've got good wing backs. But it feels like the rest of it maybe is not as settled as we thought. And Sterling is great, but it's not enough. It's not enough. So in terms of the top four, I think I'm a bit more comfortable than others at the moment, at least. Arsenal are one injury away from being completely average again. Their their bench is pretty stale. I think the only player that's been good off of the bench has been Getir, and not that he scored. Uh, United is United. I don't know. We have to see what Ten Hag cooks up there. Uh, Spurs has a good team on paper, but I don't think they've played very well per se. Like today, again, they were probably lucky to come away with the three points, the penalty, and then that uh, goal that was like completely left open for Harry Kane to hit it in. So, I don't know. We'll, we'll have to see, but I think uh, even Liverpool haven't looked too great. You know, Obviously, they beat Bournemouth 9 well. 9-0, but, you know, Bournemouth are atrocious. I think they're going to be yeah. the new Norwich. What the hell, Salah? What the hell, Mohamed Salah? 9-0! <laughs> you didn't do shit! My FPL team could have been outrageous this week, and I could have had an absolute stunner and moved up the rankings. This mother trucker just slept all game. I captained him I got six, six points out of him. I got 14 out of Luis Diaz and 17 out of Holland. I got six out of Salah. You know who else he got six points? Perisic, Veltman. Oh my God, man. How do you score nine nil against Bournemouth and you don't do shit? He missed an open goal too. Like he, I think he, he missed he two centers. <laughs> Dude, I don't try an FPL a lot, but damn it, when I see 9-0, that just pisses me off. Like, I, all of my leagues, I climbed up because the average points are 53, and I got 74 this week, so I made good. I'm in third in one league and fifth in another, so I'm climbing, but damn it, Salah. What the actual hell? Maybe somebody listening had him captain, too, and feels my pain. They understand it. Well, I am captain. <laughs> okay, dude, you're <laughs> yeah. smarter than me at FPL. I get it. No, wait, I, no, I had Salah captain. We are the uh, same. Oh, you did? Yeah. Oh, I thought you yeah, said you I'm didn't a, have yeah. 
It's okay. No, 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 I did. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. I'd like to see a statistic about how many people drop Salah or don't captain him. Just I've dropped him. You drop dropped him? Yeah, I got the Bruin instead. That's what we call a rage drop. (laughs) I switched up my team and I think uh, it definitely paid off. Uh, It definitely, well, actually, the people I brought in only got twos, but I got a more productive um, score after bringing people in. So I'm just going to say it worked out. I dropped Mendy. <laughs> I dropped Mendy for Robert, uh, Sanchez at Brighton. I think it was a good move. Got a clean sheet and eight points. So uh, FPL tips. You didn't know you were going to get FPL tips on this podcast, did y'all? Well, don't take it. Don't take tips from me. I'm not. I normally drop FPL after three months. So I'm not the one to take tips from. Anyways, boys, you got any last comments before we wrap this up? No, just um, thank you for having me back on again. It's been good talking about the game and Chelsea and good doing again in the future. Yeah, I echo that. Thank you for having me on. It was great chatting to you guys and hopefully we make some waves in the transfer market for the last few days and see what happens. Yeah, and I'm hoping that um, I'll be able to do a post spot for Southampton. Normally, it's a little harder on, um, on midweek games because a lot of the people I bring on normally are from overseas so it's a lot harder to do nightly post pods um and not um and that's just mainly because during the week i actually i work obviously um and then the game will be about 2 p.m by time so i'll definitely watch it um thankfully because i get to work from home so yeah i hope we can do a post pod for southampton definitely um what's the next one the next one would be zagreb which is tuesday maybe do maybe we do a short uh episode um at the weekend um, after the transfer window is ra- um, wrapped up. I don't know. We kind of co- covered a lot of worries right now, but um, I don't know. Maybe we'll see. Maybe we'll talk about it during the Zagreb episode. We'll see. But uh, thank you, everyone, for uh, tuning in and listening. As always, please check the description. I always drop our Twitter ads um, in the description, so you can go ahead and give Reinhardt a follow. You can give Jude a follow. You can give me a follow. Give all of us a follow, whoever is um, on the pod. And always feel free to uh, this one. I didn't make a post on to get questions, but normally I will. Um, if we're having a post one as planned right after the game, I will make a post on Twitter and asking for questions. And I will read out your questions and your Twitter handle um, whenever uh, we talk about it. And I definitely want to get more interaction with y'all. So thanks again. And also I just want to tap myself on the back. We're about to end this before an hour and a half. Oh, Maybe just over an hour and a half, but I'm getting better at shortening my episodes now. And maybe I feel like that's something that a few people have asked for, considering I used to average two to two and a half hours, which is a little daunting, even for a podcast. So working on it, making progress, baby. Um, goals for the year. I take FBL to the end of the year and I average my episodes at maybe a minute, hour 45. Personal goals, guys. And stay consistent with the episodes. Working on personal goals. So hopefully at the end of the season, celebrate a good season, celebrate personal goals, and a lot of episodes. So thanks, everyone. Thanks again for tuning in. And until next time, stay true and stay blue.